Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Fake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. So welcome to episode 25, where we'll be talking about the solution scenarios and samples in the PMP GitHub repo with um, Bert Janssen. Uh, before we jump into the show, I just want to kind of give a bit of a weekly update on what's been happening in the world of Office 365 development and general web development. The first one is um, I've been working quite closely with Dan Wallin, which has been a pleasure because um, I've been following Dan for a long, long time in the web dev world. and. Um, if you've done anything around Angular, JS, or you know, ASP.NET web development, Dan's always been one of those leaders in that space, and um, it's been great to work with him on some stuff related to Office 365 development. Um, he's been doing a ton of stuff for us around Angular JS and um, building apps that connect into Office 365. And so he's been writing some stuff for the ITUnity.com website, um, which Andrew Connell and Scott Hillier own the, the developer channel on. Um, and he's talking about how to integrate AngularJS with Azure Active Directory. So definitely worth a look there. Um, it is quite a complicated um, topic because of the fact that it's, you know, you have to really know Azure Active Directory auth before you start talking to the Office 365 APIs. And um, we're doing a lot to make the tooling a lot easier and um, providing libraries like Adel.js from the Azure AD team um, to communicate with the authentication and bits like that. But it, it's definitely something that it takes a little bit of uh, kind of to get used to and so Dan does a great job in his post of explaining that so please go and check that out. Another post by Mark Rackley who's been in the SharePoint space for a long long time and very much focuses on JavaScript development kind of overlaying it as um, a customization layer on top of the out-of-the-box pages in SharePoint has built uh, so really nice kind of guidance on how to create list views for large lists um, to kind of get around some of the limitations of performance throttles that are in place in SharePoint Online. So definitely go and check that out if you're handling anything with large lists. And then it seems like People Picker is um, something that's been causing a lot of uh, people's interest just in the last few weeks. There's two posts here, one by Sahil and one by Sahan. Um, they're not twins, <laughs> just so happens their names are quite similar. But um, one's around building the client-side API picker with 2013, um, just understanding, essentially it's our documentation on steroids. It goes into a lot more detail about the ins and outs of that people picker. And then um, Sahan has actually put together an AngularJS directive to make it even easier to put those people pickers onto your Angular websites in your app. So definitely worth checking that out. And then... If you're using the Office 365 APIs and you're using the discovery service to see what services are available, or files, or mail, calendar, or contacts, or the users and groups endpoints, and obviously there'll be more coming in the future, we've actually added a new little discovery endpoint, which is called the root site. Um, one of the bits of feedback we had was people wanted to use the files API against uh, SharePoint team sites, not just against OneDrive for Business, which the discovery service gives that URL back right now. Um, now with the root site endpoint, what they'll do is um, it'll actually return you whatever the default SharePoint URL is for your tenant. Um, so for instance, in my tenant, thakey.sharepoint.com, that's my SharePoint default URL for the, the root site collection. And so it actually provides that. So that's really useful from, um, from that perspective. And in the future, there will be other things that will, will continue and improve on the discovery service and other, the, the other endpoints as well. 
And then lastly, there's a Garage series, which is run by Jeremy Chapman, who's also in um, the team here in um, Building One. And uh, he got Ryan Duguid from Nintex on to talk about the app model and the store and acquiring of apps. And it's a really nice take from Ryan on how he sees the store and the benefits to an end user. So definitely worth checking that out as well. So a uh, big thanks to everyone for their contributions from the community this week. And um, we'll jump straight into the show now. Okay, so I'm here on a link call with Bert Jansen today, um, who's based in... Where are you based, Bert? Are you, um, I know you're somewhere in Europe, but I know it's, it's hard to keep track of all you guys. Yeah, Europe is pretty big. Uh, now, I, I'm actually based in Belgium, uh, Jeremy. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I am, my uncle's actually in Antwerp, and um, so I get to go over there a fair bit and... Um, digest some of that fine beer that you have brewing there yeah, yeah we we, uh, we have fine beer french fries our belgian fries actually uh, oh yeah that stuff's like crack don't forget never forget anymore <laughs> so definitely come over but i do the same thing where people joke with me that they drink fosters because you know obviously they think that all australians drink it um, especially in uk where it's promoted pretty heavily as like australian for beer <laughs> but um we don't drink it over there and i suspect you're probably the same stella artois is probably my favorite beer like as a you know a Wherever I go in the world, I can order it and it tastes the same. I'm not going to have any kind of issues with it, but I'm guessing you don't drink that, right? Well, we drink our own Belgian beers, most of them. Uh, we don't drink Heineken, which is a Dutch beer, but uh, <laughs> let's not go there. Huh? So Heine- Heineken's like the equivalent of Foster's for people in Belgium? <laughs> Something like that, yes. yes. <laughs> so um, how would these people know you? What have you been working on relevant to Office 365 development? Well, uh, actually, I'm, I'm a long time... Uh, Senior consultant in Microsoft Consulting Services, um, Belgium. So actually, uh, I'm about to uh, finish my uh, eight year uh, in Microsoft and my eight year in MCS. Um, so it's pretty long in the same spot, uh, but doing great stuff. Uh, focusing on uh, SharePoint uh, and last couple of years, really focusing on Office 65 and more in particular on, on the development side of the house. Uh, I have a, a pretty big IT pro background also, but uh, nowadays, uh, Focus is really on the development side. And so how long have you been working with SharePoint all up, like on-premises and Office 365? Actually, since I joined Microsoft. Uh, before I joined Microsoft, I was more in, in product development, uh, product architecture, and, and building my own products. And then at Microsoft, there was a big demand for SharePoint. And I said, hmm, looks interesting. Let's just jump into that. And that was with, actually, that was uh, with the early betas of uh, SharePoint 2007. So uh, I don't have the SharePoint 2003 or whatever uh, history behind me, but uh, yeah, 2007 is, is already pretty old, I think. And in Microsoft, you're inside uh, Microsoft Consultancy Services or MCS? Yes, correct, correct. Yeah. And and did you start in Microsoft in that role? or? Yep. So uh, I joined in that role and, and uh, I grew in that role. Uh, and uh, I, I like that role because it's really working with customers, helping them uh, realize their objectives uh, using our great technology. Yeah? So it's, uh, you're always close to the, the actual demands of the customer and, and then translating that towards back to Microsoft, towards PG, uh, for example, is very interesting. And so when you kind of got involved in all that, was that, do you get to travel a lot or do you work mainly with customers locally in Belgium? The Microsoft this is in Europe is organized at a country basis and uh, like Belgium is a small country. So uh, due to the internal structure, I would say that I'm mostly working uh, for Belgian customers, I used to mostly work for Belgian customers, I would say. Now with, with um, Office uh, PNP and, and um, that's kind of changing. I'm doing more and more remote work internationally for uh, the big customers. So it depends a bit, yeah. 
but there's not really that much travel. There's either uh, travel inside Belgium, which is 300 kilometers uh, wide, so it's nothing. Nice and small. Uh, nice and small with a lot of traffic, by the way. But uh, yeah, nice and small. <laughs> or it's remote work, uh, like uh, doing uh, all the link calls. Uh, we have the technology to... Uh, make those remote calls very effective. And so I'm guessing it appears that you guys are pretty close in terms of the the patents and practices team, whether it be Steve Walker, Vesa Juvenen, Frank Moresco, and uh, the rest of the Motley crew. But how did you get involved in the patents and practices team? Or, you know, obviously it's come through a few different journeys now with the different naming with the office at model samples or office ams and yeah, the yeah. internal names but how did you get involved in this yeah actually i got involved at the very very beginning of this um what i was working with a local belgian customer and doing uh, app development so it was uh well, two years ago that i started doing working with that customer and uh, I knew Vesa Juvenen uh, from the past. Uh, who, who doesn't know Vesa Juvenen, actually? Yeah? So everyone at Microsoft knows him. And I, we were chatting about things, how to do app development. And I showed some stuff, some samples that I created uh, for site provisioning for that customer. And, and uh, we were discussing about things. And it sounded a good idea to kind of let's put things together. Huh? You have nice samples. I have samples. I knew, I knew some other folks that have uh, some great uh, contributions. Let's put everything together. And let's make some more noise inside the uh, MCS uh, at that point, because Vesta was still MCS uh, back then. And uh, that's kind of how we initially uh, started with uh, with the GAPS uh, program, which was an internal program uh, focusing on, on the GAPS in SharePoint. But we actually told marketing it was GAPS from great apps, huh? not, not GAPS from we missed something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's uh, how it got started. And that actually... Uh, I think that the first meetings we had with the, the GAPS group, September, October timeframe last year. So uh, and GAPS got started, we got more folks involved. Uh, we got some uh, very good internal feedback. Uh, and uh, obviously there was a, we saw the demand from for the field, for the outside community as well. And that led to uh, Office AMS, uh, the, a new name for the same thing. But Office AMS was then uh, released. Um, I think we, we did it together with um, the SharePoint conference last year. So uh, we got some nice uh, promotion from you, Jeremy, and from other guys uh, plugging uh, the Office AMS. Uh, so it, it grew in popularity. More and more uh, people knew it and started using it. Now, uh, Office AMS was managed only internally by Microsoft people at that point. Old code was stored in internal TFS, which was fine but um i had to, to really scale and to really go broad uh we needed something else and, and at that point uh, github came into a site and we did a move uh, from um, our tvs to github and that actually was uh, july this year so this year yeah yeah july this year and as of then it really started uh, skyrocketing it so it went uh I, maybe ballistics maybe a, a too big term but it really started growing very very fast and, and uh, so yeah to summarize i actually uh, i've been involved as of day one more or less uh, in all of this and uh, yeah that's great nowadays uh, i'm spending more and more time on, on pnp we always call patterns and practices pnp uh, just to, uh, if you hear me talking about pnp uh, the short yeah just as the shorthand where everything has to be kind of short as possible here all the code names and stuff yeah yeah so, I mean, something that people don't or are maybe not aware of is where it was originally an internal project and you were building these samples that were being reused across the MCS. 
there was a lot of work and communication going on with the engineering teams to make sure that whatever you were building as a best, you know, as a pattern or a practice, it was something that engineering kind of rubber stamped and said, yep, we're happy with you guys using this when you do your implementations. And I guess, you know, SharePoint is a very big platform. There's lots of different ways of doing things. And they interpret and they, as in the engineering team, assume that there's only certain things that people are doing. And so having these patterns and practices to say, yep, that's fine. Engineering are aware that people might use SharePoint in this way. And if we change anything in SharePoint, we take that into account. So were you? how much of that process have you been involved in? And, and, and what was that journey like with engineering? Was there any kind of real shockers that uh, came up as part of that process? And as you were kind of showing patterns that maybe they weren't aware of. Yeah, yeah, we had some some nice surprises indeed. That uh, I think it it, it, uh, it has been a learning process on both sides. Um, maybe we, in the beginning we were sometimes too ambitious to put things out. Uh, maybe some folks remember HTTP post uh, that particular pattern that um, engineering didn't like, and there's a very good reason to not like it. Huh? So uh, so definitely uh, a good call from engineering there. Yeah, but uh, I. While doing so, we kind of got a, into a good relationship with engineering, and we actually have nowadays weekly calls with them uh, where we discuss uh, things that we do, where we discuss uh, blockers that we identify, because uh, now with PNP, we often get, uh, or with the general group, uh, we get people saying like, okay, I want to do this, but there is no API, or it doesn't work like uh, I expect it to be, uh, and, and what's, what can you do about it, Microsoft? So these things we, we capture and we actually uh, we have a backlog of, of things that uh, we would like to see appear in, in, in the client set object model. And uh, these are weekly followed up with, with uh, engineering. So uh, yes, we have a very good, um, I think, way of working together. Sometimes things go maybe a little bit slow. If we want things to go faster, but that's, I think that's part of being a big company uh, and, and a complex product uh, of a big product like SharePoint and Office 365. Yeah, it's always amazing. You know, I track thousands of blogs at and it's quite a heavy frequency of updates that come through every day that I kind of communicate out to people via Twitter and LinkedIn. And then obviously I, I summarize it on the show. And and some of the things people do is amazing how smart they get on leveraging the APIs or leveraging the UI DOM, which, you know, again, there's a, a risk of doing that um, to get things done. And, and that's just the nature that engineering have to cope with. And so I think the patterns and practices really helps to kind of draw that line of look, this is what we're comfortable with you guys doing but sure you can go ahead and do other things but you're gonna wear some risk by by going down those those rat holes i guess yeah absolutely the, the things that that we might um, put out in pnp the samples and the scenarios and the solutions and let's come back on sample scenario solutions what does it mean actually later on but the things that we put out um, are rubber stamped by by engineering for example uh, we have some uh, uh, pieces of code that uh, heavily depend on updating property bags, web property bag, list property bags, to uh, realize a missing API functionality, actually. For example, the whole records management, there is no API to um, to enable records management for a site and to say, well, this, this particular library, it will auto-declare each and every item that's being added as a record. There wasn't an API. But since uh, PG said, like, okay, guys, uh, it's supported that you update web property back entries, uh, and all of these settings were stored in web property back entries, we just made a, a wrapper in PNP that now gives the field uh, uh, an API to do records management. So that's a kind of a nice example where we get blessing from uh, the product group from engineering that uh, 
updating those properties is uh, allowed. And uh, in PNP, we uh, wrapped that into a, a nice uh, user-friendly uh, API. Yeah, I think, that, and there's, I mean, when you started this in uh, AMS internally, and then we we moved that project publicly, and then now it's in GitHub, it's growing. We've gone from having, I think, 30 samples when I first joined in March. Now we're up to 110 or something. Yep, we crossed the 100. Yeah. And and when I say samples, there are different scales of samples. So can you just explain why there's that folder structure when you jump into GitHub yep. that has samples, scenarios, solutions, and what the reasoning behind that was in terms of some kind of organization and, and how people should navigate it? Very good question. And actually, uh, I important to understand uh, why we all uh, structured uh, those things like that, yeah. So if you look at PNP, you have uh, several uh, top-level folders. Uh, now, the most important ones um, are samples, scenarios, um, and solutions. And if you look at samples, that's the biggest group of uh, Visual Studio solutions, eh? of, of samples, I would say. Uh, samples are there to... Um, show you something relatively simple, focused on one particular thing. It shows you how to do one specific task. Yeah? For example, it shows you how to apply a theme to a site. The code is in there, it doesn't refer to a library, it's just the lowest amount of code to actually show you how something can be done. So the samples are really meant to uh, understand how things work, to learn. You can obviously reuse them, but they're not end-to-end -end apps that you just take and put into production. They're really learning material for you, for the field, to um, understand how things can be done. If you then look towards scenarios and solutions, they're different because they, uh, first of all, um, both of those have a dependency on the PNP core library, um, whereas um, samples cannot have a PNP core library um, dependency. The PNP core library is, is our um, core uh, API where we uh, give you a kind of an, a new API on top of the client-side object model to make things easier. Uh, for example, I already talked about records management, uh, for where we provide an API in PNP Core. Uh, another typical sample is that uh, adding a web part to a, a wiki page on a team site. Um, a reality that takes uh, several hundreds of lines of code to properly do it. Now with the PNP uh, Core library, it, it will only take you a few lines of code to do the same thing. So this is an abstraction layer on top of lots of functionalities to make it easier for you. Now coming back to the structure. So samples, uh, since they're meant to really show a particular feature and how it works and to give you a learning experience, they do not use uh, the core library. On the other hand, the scenarios and solutions, they always use the core library. So it's important if you think about contributing to PNP, uh, if you contribute a sample uh, and using the core library, we will uh, nicely say you like, can you please uh, change it and, and copy the of take over the code that shows what you want to achieve into the sample? So that's uh, I, we will work with you there to, to update your things, but uh, you shouldn't uh, use core library for the samples. Now then, that brings us what's the difference between um, scenarios and then solutions? Both use PNP core. Difference there is that um, scenarios are again more meant to uh, explain PNP core. Uh, so you will see those uh, provided hosted apps that give you a scenario one. Okay, I want to do JavaScript injection the simple way. You can uh, test it and see how it behaves. Scenario two will be, okay, JavaScript injection, where we do a more complex one with a timer in the background, etc. 
So it gives you a kind of a tryout of the PNP call library. Oh, I see. It's like a test bed almost. It's a kind of a test bed and then to, to demo to, uh, I, to your customers if needed or to your developer audience if needed. So, okay, what can be done with the PNP call library? Yeah. And we actually had Schumann on the show um, two weeks ago now talking about the core library and the NuGet packages. So if people are interested in seeing what's in that core library specifically, definitely go back and listen to that show from two weeks ago. Um, because that was really useful in understanding like the val- what's in there in a bit more detail. No, it's, it's useful to understand the differences between those folders. Yeah. And, and then the bigger folder with the things like site provisioning, what kind of drove those? That was customer demand, right? That's the, the solutions folder, yeah. So the, the idea behind solutions is that they are more uh, enterprise uh, scale uh, type of, of, of uh, solutions, like, for example, a an, an hybrid uh, site provisioning uh, solution. The, these are indeed really driven from customer needs. Huh? So the, the code in there often comes from actual customer projects uh, that we did, uh, and we uh, kind of cleaned up the code and made it uh, more reusable for the field. And the plan is to have more of those uh, enterprise solutions coming up. Uh. Yeah, it's, it's really great that MCS uh, is sharing those things and the community are now going in and either making enhancements to those scenarios and solutions or submitting their own ones as well. And I think that's really like the purpose of this show was just to explain like, this is what where we've come from as a journey. and But now we're open in terms of those community contributions there. And GitHub's definitely making it a lot easier. I, it does take a little bit of a learning curve to um, to get into GitHub and Git. And I guess yeah. I'm asking everyone that comes on the show, but what was your experience with ramping up? Because I'm assuming being an MCS guy and a Microsoft that you were TFS and source safe and and then suddenly move into this other uh, other way of doing things. Yeah, let's tell you a little anecdote. Um, so uh, I told you that in July we switched to GitHub, and we did it actually uh, before our Tech Ready, which is an internal conference. We had a, a hackathon at campus, and uh, so Vesa was there, uh, Steve Walker, uh, myself, and we said, okay, that will be a piece of cake, let's just move it. And in the end, we had to do it three times before we actually could copy all of the code <laughs> over to, to Git because we, we just, yeah, you know how we are, we just try, we don't read manuals, we just... Uh, <laughs> so we had to retry a couple of times. But uh, So that was a bit of a learning curve. But then we actually uh, quickly discovered that uh, Git really is, is powerful uh, and flexible and fast. Yeah. So I, I really love it. Uh, I also love the EFS, but... Uh, I, once you get hang out of Git, it, it, it's uh, yeah, it's just a really really good. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually on the, and I'm sure you're doing this as well. But triaging the pull requests that come through. So pull request is when someone forks the main repo in GitHub. Like so, I own the training content one, which is where all the training videos, all the powerpoints, and the code samples and the hands-on labs live. And we, it's been great with the community being kind of forking the repos and making adjustments to the hands-on labs, whether it's mistakes where we've shipped them or um, adding some additional paragraphs to make the labs clearer. And um, they submit those through back to the main repo via a pull request in github.com. And then I have to go in and check what they've done and I accept it and it merges it back into that the main, main master branch. But um, I've started using a tool called um, SmartGit. I started with SourceTree, which was an Atlassian tool, which is free, which um, Australian company. So there's a little bit of loyalty there to Australia. <laughs> um, but SmartGit is actually it's a German-based company, and um, they've got a lot more features in there around looking at the branches, the forks, and 
how these pull requests, what files they include. And I, I, people were rename, nameless, but there's been a few people that, you know, hadn't read the manual and submitted pull requests and deleted folders. And I'd kind of cowboy gone in there and just accepted the pull request and then realized that folders have been deleted from the master master branch. Oops. So SmartGit is certainly helping me there with um, being able to pull down their changes before I accept it and test it with a bit more rigor before accepting it and merging it back into that master branch. Yeah, that's actually uh, one that I didn't know about. Uh, I wrote it down, so I'll try it out. Yeah, it's $80, but actually Cyber Monday, uh, which is an American thing, but the, it seems that SmartGitter uh, following site, which is it's weird. It seems like the whole world now has Black Friday and Cyber Monday, yeah, yeah. even though technically it's the Thanksgiving weekend American thing. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen the YouTube videos of the uh, UK uh, shopping stores where they were fighting over the the TVs. Um, one of my friends actually lived right by there and actually had iPhone footage of it. And it was pretty scary. People throwing punches over 40 inch flat screens <laughs> that were going for like 50 bucks yeah. or 50 pounds, I think it was. Yeah, crazy times. Um, but yeah, they had a Cyber Monday deal, which they've extended for the whole week. So um, unfortunately, by the time this podcast comes out, that doesn't give you much time. But yeah, it's definitely worth, if you're really doing a lot with gear, out of all the tools, the Smart Git one is definitely the most intuitive. And it, it, catches you out from doing anything too crazy as well now i understand that those tools offer more features eh? and um i to be honest i we use source tree for the most of the core team uh, for the pnp core team are using source tree to do some of the tasks but uh, you can also do basic uh, git using visual studio 2013 that's right yeah and then update 4 they improved that too right yep 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 and uh our documentation uh, which describes how to get started and how to issue pull requests kind of uh, assumes you only have visual studio 2013 so we uh, we give you an experience to uh we, we tell you how to set up your environment so you can uh, I pull down the code to a frequent updates or uh, of our code base uh, we can then um, make changes and, and uh, push the, the pull request uh, to us for, for merging, all using Visual Studio uh, and out-of-the-box tooling. So I think uh, I, the other tools are need uh, definitely an added value uh, once you dive into a bit deeper into a GitHub. But uh, for your first uh, pull request, uh, you can still maybe do without. And um, if, if people do want to contribute, what's your guidance there? Because obviously it's quite overwhelming in terms of how many samples there are there and not wanting overlap. What, what kind of things are you doing to be more transparent on what the community are doing um, to help you and making sure there's not like overlap or um, making it easy for people to like approach and do this stuff? It's sometimes indeed hard to what should I uh, contribute and what, what can I contribute? And, and uh, maybe sometimes people are maybe a little bit... Is, kind of scared like, should I do this bug fix or should I try it so my idea behind that is my reasoning is that okay if you have something that you want to share that you're proud of please uh, contribute um, we can work with you if it's not fully uh, if it's some duplication we can work with you to, to get it changed uh, so uh, there is a way to uh, if you issue a pull request uh, there is kind of an option to have a discussion ongoing on that content uh, and you can uh, update your pull request uh, easily so there is an interaction model there that, that we can use to, to work with you. And the same applies for bug fixes or smaller things. Yeah, We will uh, test them and, and um, I help work with you to get them in. Uh, if it's really a duplication, we might say indeed no, uh, because this and point you to the correct sample. Um, but that uh, I, 
what we've seen so far is that uh, most um, submissions are really a excellent samples that uh, show something that wasn't there yet. So, uh, so I think uh, there is definitely a lot of IP in the field that, that still can be shared uh, and that still will uh, provide us uh, a lot of value. Yeah, and you guys do a great job. I'm not sure who does, I'm, it may be Vesper on the team that does the wrap up, but having those monthly announcements that actually celebrates those people that are contributing, I was amazed at how many people um, that are contributing. It's interesting, it's not... I say the usual suspects, but it's not the people that are on my radar that are blogging about this stuff. It's people that seem to be in enterprise dev scenarios or in SIs where maybe they haven't got time to blog, but they have these projects that they're reusing internally, which now they're sharing with this PMP group. So it's really exciting to capture those people that maybe haven't got time to blog or speak at conferences, but are still willing to give back. Correct. correct. For example, we have a very nice uh, document picker contribution from a guy, I know the guy because he's an enterprise developer in a big company and he's not really a known, very known public SharePoint person. He actually doesn't even know that much about SharePoint, but using the uh, the APIs and the app model, Office 365, he now is, he has been able to really build something very nice and contribute it. So definitely indeed, uh, hey, many, many enterprise people that, uh, enterprise developers that uh, I get onto this. I wanted to uh, also add, because you referred to the, the monthly uh, meetings. So uh, we indeed have monthly meetings where we then uh, also do monthly releases uh, and make release notes. So uh, the process behind there is that um, when you issue uh, a change, when you get a pull request, um, it gets uh, always uh, accepted into the dev branch. We have a dev branch and we have a master branch. So important note, if you make a pull request, make it against the dev branch, otherwise uh, you will uh, get a pull request which shows a lot of additional uh, uh, commits which are not uh, which are not needed. Huh? But we will tell you when you do something wrong. No, no worries about that. But then that uh, we have a monthly rhythm to um, move from dev to master. So that's our master merge process, and that gives you an, uh, a, a kind of a stability. Meaning the the new packages which are out there and the master binaries, the, for example, the PowerShell commandlet installer, those things they stay stable on a monthly basis. But it doesn't stop people from going because obviously all the branches and GitHub are public, so people can go in the dev branch if they want and see see what's there. Yeah. But the monthly ones are the ones that have been kind of merged in from dev and have gone through a little bit more of a formal rigor than the dev one. Absolutely. And so, how can they get on these calls? Where can they find out about? how to jump on the they're on link right there yeah the calls are organized via link and all the information is on, on the the wiki uh, of the pnp repo right so the, the current schedule and we actually just recently changed this and i don't even think we actually communicated that outside but uh, the current plan is to do a master merge on um, the first friday of the month so actually on this week friday we will uh, do a master merge for the december release and then the week after uh, normally on the Tuesday, there is a community call. I'm really going to try to stick to that rhythm. So uh, first Friday of the month, the merge, and then uh, the week after, uh, the community call. And all the details for the calls, can be uh, you can find them on, on the wiki pages of the repo. So we're right in the process right now of um, building a, a kind of landing page on dev.office.com for this patents and practices initiative. And so that will kind of take over from the wiki page. But for now, if you go to github.com slash office dev slash PNP, 
um, and then you click on the wiki and the uh, in, in that content on that page, there's a bunch of stuff there that links off to you know announcements and when the next calls are and FAQs on contributing and and talking about the the release cadence and different bits and pieces. So um, you know there's a lot of information there we're sharing and again it's all in GitHub. So if you want to suggest some improvements to the way that we explain things, then you can just fork the branch and uh, and then make your contributions and then submit that as a pull request back and the team will have a look at it for you. And uh, if they're happy with it, they'll approve it. If they want some changes, they'll comment on that pull request, which you'll have to adjust. And then, you know, hopefully by the end of the process, it'll all be in the pages. But I think the key with this is, is that this is happening in real time. Like it's, it's very iterative and agile in the way that's going on and um, it's really exciting how quickly this has come around and, and what it is nice is that I know you know being on the internal emails with the team you know there's been crazy amounts of contributions in here there's 30 nearly 30 contributors now since we un unleashed this to to github just a few months ago and I can see there's a no, another pull request sitting there right now so it's great to see that you know these people are getting involved and and not just internal people but also um, people outside as well so a big thank you to to everyone that's contributing to these things yes absolutely a, a big big thank you also from the pnp team uh, for your contributions uh, we've seen enormous valuable contributions uh, and commitment from people outside of microsoft which is absolutely nice and great yeah and so um how can people keep up with what you're doing? You ha you're on Twitter and do you blog and <laughs> uh, let's say that I'm maybe one of those guys which is not all really widespread in all the social uh, stuff. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, no, I don't have a Twitter account. Investor told me other people told me I should get one Twitter account. Yeah, I know, still on, on the backlog. <laughs> Just uh, shoot, shoot an issue into the PNP site. Uh, I think that's... Uh, and, and, and then you'll come alive and, and, and help out. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, we forgot something very important. We have a very active uh, Jammer group. Oh, that's right. Actually, you know what? You're breaking records there too. So the so the Yammer group, uh, again, linked off from the, uh, the, the, the wiki pages where we have all the links to stuff. Right now, I think there is an insane amount of users in there. I think there's 1,500 or something. Let me just check now while I'm... Yeah, it's it's just 1,350 more or less, but it, it it's growing a lot. And actually, uh, we're the most popular uh, development group uh, in the in the in the Jammer network. Uh. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I created a few groups when when we started that network, and and it's cool to see that people are going there and asking those PMP questions. Um, and the, I guess the, the key is is that you guys are actually going in and answering the questions. So it's I re really appreciate all the work you're doing there. So yeah, for anyone who's listening that isn't in that Yammer group, um, you know, the yammer.com slash IT pro network, um, ignore the URL. It's just we can't rename it. But that covers all of Office 365. But we have a big presence in there from a development story. So and these guys are really active. You know, I think... They're pretty much, I don't know when you guys sleep, but um, your mobile's ping and you seem to just jump on those Yammer <laughs> responses straight away. So big thank you there as well. My pleasure. But it's not only uh, the Microsoft people that answer questions. Uh, what you see is there's really a, a community uh, helping each other. And it's, it's broad, more broadly than just PNP. Eh? It's about how I, I how do I this in app development. I want to realize this particular feature. Okay, well, and I've been thinking about this and this. What would be the best approach? That kind of discussions are also on there. So everything that's related to the SharePoint app development uh, is, is kind of being covered uh, on those um, 
general groups. Yeah, and I, I know it's like there's um, Andrew Connell's jumping in, helping people with the GitHub questions. Um, I've, I've been working with him quite closely on the training content stuff because he's been doing some work for us and um, he's kind of helped me out on branching and pull requests and the best, and we've worked out a really kind of smooth process with that. So we should probably sit down and share notes on that with what you guys are doing PMP as well. But um, all right, well, we're running close to the uh, half hour. So I really appreciate you jumping on. I know um, Belgium wise, you're, well, it must be near the end of the day for you now, if I'm doing my calculations, right? Yeah, it's uh, 7 uh, p.m. Oh, well, I really appreciate you doing this out of hours, mate. And um, when are you, are you, you're coming up for Tech Ready, our internal conference in January? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So I'll be in, uh, in Redmond in January. Excellent. So we'll get to catch up then. Okay. Great. Well, um, thanks very much, mate. And I probably won't, well, I'm definitely not going to see you before um, the vacation period over uh, Christmas. So have a, have a good time off. I'm, I hope you get a few days to um, down tools and not not touch Visual Studio and Office 365 for a bit. <laughs> None of it. I have some days off, so uh, I want to go some cycling. Uh, it's my, my hobby. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um I just bought a new bike actually, and because um, I've only just bought it, I want to use it. But it's uh, minus two Celsius here right now, and uh, so last night I was and it was dark. Had all my like kind of North Face gear on and my earmuffs and. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but it was really, really cold. But it was a nice ride. But um, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to cycling in the summer. Yeah, yeah, we should, we should uh, hire some bikes in, in January, maybe try that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'll have to add you on. If you've got Strava going, I'll have to add you on Strava. I'm using Strava. Great. Well, um, thanks again, mate. And um, we'll get you back on the show to talk. I'd like to get to talk about some of the scenarios and the solutions in a bit more detail. With the ones, especially like site provisioning. I know that's kind of one of your babies there. Um, so that people can understand what you guys have been up to. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan, Jeremy. Excellent. Well, thanks very much, mate. And um, see you on the show soon. All right. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com dev, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 technical network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.